So I'm going to read um, Matthew chapter 5, um, beginning at verse 1 to 7, I think. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Do keep that open. It's lovely to see even more faces uh, this morning um, of, of, of friends from a few years ago. It's, it feels like quite a long time since we saw each other, so it's lovely to see you. And if you weren't here last night, uh, do find someone and just say, what did we do? I'll sort of be alluding to it, but we won't have a full recap. Um, so do find someone and just say, what, what encouraged you last night? What challenged you? From God's word. I'm going to pray and then we are especially going to focus on verses 5, 6 and 7 for this session. Lord God, thank you so much for your word and Lord we pray through your word create in us clean hearts, O God, and we pray this for your glory. Amen. So blessed are the repentant. That's how we approach these wonderful verses which we started yesterday. Blessed are the repentant. They are poor in spirit. They recognize that before God, by themselves, they have nothing. That in the presence of God, without the mercy of God, they would be ruined. And they mourn their sin. They are distressed at it and how it offends against such a good God. And they long for the day... (laughs) when it will be gone and no longer be sinful. Blessed are the repentant. But I hope you didn't consider it to be a miserable time as we thought of those things because Jesus says, blessed are those people. Happy because God is smiling at them. Blessed are the repentant. And if repentance is about turning from going our own way and turning towards God and seeking him, then I think yesterday's verses were very much a link to the turning from, what we're turning away from, and we're we're recognizing our spiritual poverty, mourning our sin, we want to turn away from that. What starts to come now, I think, are attitudes of the heart which are more to do with what we're turning towards, what we're seeking to be like, or rather who we're seeking to be like. We're seeking to be meek. We're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, seeking to be merciful. And it may be, as we look at these verses, just as I said yesterday, in fact, it probably will be, that even as as we just look at these three verses, you may well feel convicted of sin again. You may well feel your poverty of spirit. And you may mourn, and you may think, oh, couldn't even make it past verse 5. How bad is that? 
Well, don't think that. I would be worried if you saw any of those statements and thought, yep, got that one nailed down, let's move on. We do find this challenging. God's Spirit convicts us with every line of Jesus' teaching and he comforts us with the good news of our salvation. He says, yes, you are a sinner and yes, you are blessed. The Savior has died for you. The Father is smiling on you. And then he causes us to have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, even to hunger and thirst for that hunger and thirst, so that we are changed. And we do start to live this more, with these qualities here more and more evident in our hearts and through our lives. And that's how these words can leave you full of wonder rather than full of woe, which is not how they should leave a Christian. This is amazing. Someone so poor in spirit as me can be so blessed and can be changed and is being changed into this. Blessed are the repentant. So as we get into these verses today, we pray, Holy Spirit, challenge us Convict us, comfort us, and change us, and cause us to rejoice in our Saviour. Firstly, then, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And of course, the first question there is well, what does meek mean? I don't know if you've ever been in a Bible study and you've chased that question around for a while. And you feel that you must have landed on an answer somewhere, but the next time it's asked, you don't really know. What does it mean? What does it mean to be meek? Well, I don't think that being meek is just a further expression of being poor in spirit or mourning, not in its essence. That is the way that a few very well, rightly well-respected evangelicals of the past have explained it. They kind of see poverty of spirit, mourning sin, and being meek as all going together, and they say being meek is kind of about admitting before others um, how sinful you are. And I don't really think that that can be right for a few reasons, but the most obvious one being that Jesus is described in the Gospels as being meek, and he wasn't a sinner. Where is Jesus described as meek? Well, two well-known places in Matthew. Chapter 11, verse 29, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, he then says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, in the modern translations, gentle and humble in heart. The word for gentle there is the same as the word we've got here for meek in the original. Same in chapter 21, when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem on a donkey, and Matthew quotes the prophet Zechariah and says, see, your king comes to you, gentle meek, and riding on a donkey. Again, it's the same word. So Jesus is described as meek. This must therefore be something about what we're turning towards rather than what we're turning from. And as those two quotations made clear in the way it's translated in different versions, it's linked to gentleness. If you go through the New Testament and, and trace the word for meek here, it's often translated as gentle. 
or meekness, gentleness, likewise. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5. Gentleness is in there in the modern translations. Meekness in the older. So this is to do with a certain kind of gentleness that's shown in the Lord Jesus, the king who comes to you, gentle, meek, riding on a donkey. He's not coming in on his war horse to take over and demanding what's his by rights, but he's coming gentle, riding on a donkey, actually coming to die for you. And it takes me to Philippians 2, wonderful words in Philippians 2, where really the, the, the main word there is humility, but um, I think it's very closely connected. You know those wonderful words in that chapter. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, made himself nothing, took the form of a servant. That, I think, is meekness. Not grabbing for oneself, but giving of oneself. Not insisting on one's own rights, not domineering, not grabbing for oneself, giving of oneself. That, I think, is the heart of it. The gentleness associated with someone who doesn't grab for themselves, but gives of themselves. That's meekness. Adam and Eve, they were tempted to grab for themselves, weren't they? And they did. The Lord Jesus in Matthew has just gone through those temptations. Here you go, Jesus, an easy path to glory. Just grab it for yourself. But he didn't. He's not going to grab for himself. Rather, he chooses the path where he's going to give of himself. And so I think you start to see why meekness takes the place that it does in this list. Why it's so fundamental in being a follower of Jesus. It's kind of taking you back to the fall, isn't it? Where we grabbed for ourselves. And it's turning that around. The gentleness that flows from a heart which gives of itself rather than grabbing for itself. And that doesn't mean never be assertive. Doesn't mean that. You might still be assertive at times. It's just what you're going to be assertive for. Not so much for your own glory, but God's glory. Not so much for your own good first, but someone else's. What's that going to look like then? What, what will meekness look like when you approach a situation and you're not out to grab for yourself, but to give of yourself? What, do, what does that practically look like? That kind of gentleness. What might that look like in whatever the week is that you've got coming up? What might it have looked like last week? What will it look like in those work situations where people are basically out to grab for themselves? What will it look like when you're thinking, what do I want to get out of life? What about when people are attacking you or treating you unfairly or saying things that aren't fair and you want to be vindicated and shown to be right? What will it look like on a Saturday morning for a family when everyone gets up and the question is asked, what will we do today? What does it look like in leadership? What does it look like in Christian leadership? 
meekness. It seems to me that meek leaders can be criticized for not showing the qualities of leaders who aren't meek, <laughs> if that makes sense. What does it look like in leadership? What does it look like in simple conversation? When you just start talking to someone. You know how it is, don't you? When you have a conversation with someone, you come away afterwards and you realize how much they gave of themselves into that. And you were just out for yourself. And so on and so on. What does it look like? Well, let the Holy Spirit convict you. Let him comfort you. Let him change you. Because right now, do you not want this? This is not what you're wanting, to be like this. Lord, I want to be meek. Like you. And as for the promise there, I mean, this is another wow promise, isn't it? This is amazing. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Wow. That is not the world's wisdom for how things go, is it? That is not Putin's wisdom for how things go. That verse is basically a quote from Psalm 37. Have a look at that at some time. Uh, Psalm 37, you have two groups of people, the righteous, also called the meek, and the wicked. And it looks like the wicked are the ones who are the winners. Looks like they're coming out on top. And it might cause you to fret and worry about why that's happening. They're grabbing for themselves and they're getting what they want. And then there are the meek, who are trusting God, who are waiting on God, they're not grabbing for themselves, they're giving of themselves. Who inherits the earth? The meek. What's the wisdom of the world say? Who inherits the earth? People who go out and grab for themselves. What's the wisdom of God say? Who inherits the earth? People who give of themselves. What does the example of Jesus show? He didn't grab for himself. But he gave of himself, and he has been exalted to the highest place. Blessed are the meek. I think it's time we added some movement off the seam. Let's just take um, a few minutes. Um, turn to the person next to you. What does this look like? Blessed are the meek, or anything that's just struck you, or anything that's struck you from God's word today. What does this look like? Blessed are the meek. Pray with each other. Just a couple of minutes.
Okay, let me interrupt you there. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. That's amazing, isn't it? Next, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. They will be satisfied. And we're really getting into our desires here. That language of hunger and thirst, that is intense desire. Perhaps in our lives we hardly ever experience hunger or thirst long enough to really know how intense and painful that can be. That's what we're talking about here, to have a, a, a desperate, intense longing for righteousness, that we would live righteously in our own lives and that we would see God's ways honoured in our world. That's what this hunger and thirst is for, I think, righteousness in that sense, because righteousness can also... Um, be in the sense of our justification, our right standing before God. The word can refer to either. But coming at the start of this Sermon on the Mount, which is all about how Jesus' followers are to live, I think that's what's in view here. Longing, hungering, thirsting, to live rightly, to be more like Jesus, to live in a way that gives him glory, so that if you carried on reading through chapter 5 and you got to those verses about anger, you'd be thinking, oh, I'm longing for righteousness. I want to live your way, Lord. I don't want to be the angry person that I am. And when you get to the verses about lust and all of them, as you just carry on through, you're thinking, I want to live this way. That when we read, blessed are the meek, and we get it in our minds what meekness is, we're thinking, Lord, please make me like that. I long to be more like that because I can see it in my Savior. And I can see how good and beautiful it is. And I want to live like that. We hunger and we thirst for righteousness. Long to live as God wants us to live, don't we? Yes, we do. If we're repentant, that's what we're longing for. If the Holy Spirit is at work in us, and where we don't have this desire, as we should have this desire, we desire to have it. And that's how it should be. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Here's the promise. They will be filled. They will be satisfied. And we know something of that in the present, don't we? We know something of that. That satisfaction that comes as we are conscious of God's spirit changing us. It's wonderful. When you think of how you used to be, and you can see how God's spirit has changed you, you don't lose your poverty of spirit. If anything, as you see more of the goodness and greatness of God, your, your sense of being poor in spirit grows. You don't lose that, but you can sense that you're being given new desires. And you like them. It's good. It's nice to have them, isn't it? It's a wonderful experience to love God and to praise him and to be given these new desires and to want to see God glorified. And the more you experience that, those moments where you really experience that, you, in, you long for more, don't you? 
You just think, oh, if I could just be more like this all the time and more and more and more. We hunger and thirst. And the greater fulfillment of this promise is yet to come and it will be marvellous, won't it? That sense there of being filled, being satisfied, it, it means completely filled, filled completely to satisfaction. If, if you were eating where you would say, I, I just couldn't eat another thing. Or if it was just one of those perfect moments, you could say, you, you couldn't do anything else to make this moment more perfect. You, know, you come down for breakfast on a sunny morning and you read a headline that says, Zach Crawley got 100. And Joe Root is on his way to one as well. Ah, brilliant. Couldn't add another thing to make that moment better. Well, you could. The promise is not just that you're going to get a little bit better at living God's ways. That you'll defeat sin just a little bit more, but you'll never be the finished article. No, one day you will be the finished article. Don't you long for that? You will be what God always intended you to be. You will be satisfied. Your hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. There will be no more sin. Just the joy of being what you were made to be. The title of that book, Repentance, is The Journey Back to Joy. Blessed indeed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Finally, for now, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Merciful. And we're not just talking occasional acts of mercy there. This is mercy as an attitude of the heart, the merciful. So we see people in need, any kind of need, and we feel compassion, as the Lord Jesus felt compassion when he saw the crowd. We feel a sense of pity which moves us to action. It might be we see someone who has needs for food, clothing, shelter. It might be we see someone who has the need for company. They're being left out, so we include them. It might be that someone has wronged us and we could take revenge but instead we forgive and seek reconciliation. And of course, it must be that when we see people who do not know the Lord, who do not know these blessings, that we feel compassion, we feel pity, and we long to share with them the gospel. I don't know how anyone could be described as merciful in a biblical sense if they see people in that desperate situation of not knowing God's mercy and they feel nothing. And they're not moved to do something to share the gospel with them. Blessed are the merciful. Not the occasionally merciful, but those who are merciful as an attitude of the heart. We see people with eyes of compassion and we want to help people. And that cannot be substituted with religion and devotion. You can't say, well, I would be merciful, but I just don't have any spare time to be merciful because all my spare time goes into being a Christian. 
And by the time I've done my Bible reading and prayed and gone to church and so on and so on, I've got no time left for anything else. Religion cannot be substituted for mercy. That's what the Pharisees did. How many times does Jesus say to the Pharisees in the Gospels, I desire mercy, not sacrifice? People can show mercy without being Christians, of course. But to be merciful as Jesus is merciful is something else. Because that sort of mercy that is applauded in the world is often just done for show. It's often sanitized. Here's an easy way to show mercy, sort of in and out. Nothing too costly. It's often mercy which is really nothing more than just relieving a a pricked conscience. That is not mercy as Jesus showed mercy. He saw us in our pitiable state and he came down from heaven. He ate with those who were despised, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. He allowed himself to be seen doing that. He touched lepers and he took all our sin on himself and he died the most humiliating and shameful death that Roman society could devise. That's mercy. It's costly. It's unsanitary. Mercy will make worldly people turn up their noses and say, ugh, why would you do that? Why would you spend time with that kind of person? Why would you be seen helping them? Why would you forego this or that luxury so that you could help others more? Why would you make a fool out of yourself to share the gospel? But that's true mercy, isn't it? That's mercy as Jesus showed mercy. It costs more than the world is prepared to spend. It often goes where others won't go. It associates with those your friends won't associate with. It doesn't care to be applauded, and it may even lead to shame. We know that's exactly what the Son of God did for us, don't we? If we're poor in spirit as this verse is probably, yet again, making us feel poor in spirit. We know that's what he did for us, so that we can be blessed. And we realize we shouldn't be out to grab for ourselves, but we should be giving of ourselves, as he did. Being merciful is a a part of that. And we hunger and we thirst after God's ways. I want to be merciful, Lord, as you were merciful to me. And so we find the Holy Spirit changing us more and more into a people who truly are merciful and who rejoice in the promise. We will be shown mercy. We have been shown mercy. We continue to be shown mercy. And on the last day, we will be shown such mercy. He will take us in the pitiable condition we are in, and he will bind up our wounds and dry our tears and transform us so that we are like him. He'll give us a place at the wedding feast of the Lord Jesus and cause us to shine like the stars. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God's ways.
Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the repentant. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came in meekness, our king, gentle, riding on a donkey into Jerusalem to die for us. We thank you for your mercy that you looked on us and you came down and you went through such humiliation and rejection and shame for us to give us blessing. And Lord Jesus, that is overwhelming. We thank you so much. We praise your name. And we pray for your Holy Spirit to change us, to make us like that, to make us like you. And we don't want the applause of the world. It doesn't matter whether we get vindication or that we're well thought of. We want to give you glory. We hunger and thirst for your righteousness in our lives. We're distressed where we don't show that. We hunger and thirst for that desire where we don't have it. And we pray, Lord, please be at work in us. And we thank you for these Wonderful, wonderful blessings. Lord, help us not to be taken in by the lie that you inherit the earth by going out and taking it for yourself. But help us to remember that if we are yours, if we are meek like you, if we're trusting in you, if we're poor in spirit, mourning our sin, knowing your salvation, you promise that we will inherit the earth. You promise us mercy. You promise us satisfaction. And that is marvellous, Lord. Help us to look nowhere else but you. We pray this for your glory.